This is Five on Three. Center ice for all things Islanders, Rangers, and all news across the NHL on WFUV Sports. Welcome in to another edition of Five on Three WFUV Sports' NHL podcast. I am Tyler Mooney alongside Samantha Bohr and Lou Orlando. We are back in person this week. We were online last week, but we are back in person where the magic can be recreated <laughs> and really it can really come through. So uh, how are you two doing? I know we're in the middle of finals and it's been rough for some of us, maybe rougher for others than... But uh, go ahead, Sam. How have you been doing? <laughs> well, when Tyler said rougher for others, Lou Orlando just kindly turned his head to glance at me because it's been, it's been a tough one. This final season has been all around bad, dare I say. I, I slept um, in a study pod on the sixth floor of the Lincoln Center campus last night and was awoken by a security guard this morning. He did let me sleep. He just asked if I was all right. And I was. I was just in REM. Um, but I was well. And so now here I am. Um, all in all, it's been interesting, but I'm so happy to be back with you fellas because it's been a while since this little trio has been able to be together. So I'm, I'm happy we're here. Yeah, th- this is an, an iconic crew. I'm getting some deja vu just so true. being here talking with you guys. And I, I get what you're talking about, Sam, because I had a 6.30 a.m. night a couple of days ago yeah, as well. Yeah, so yeah, you did. Now I'm, I'm in the clear for a little bit, but I'm, I'm feeling for you. Thank Keeping you. you in my thoughts. Thank you. I appreciate Wonderful. that. Wonderful. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, we do have a bit of a break from all that. We can talk about some hockey here for the next hour or so. And there's been a lot going on, a lot going on around the league, a lot going around around the local teams, which we normally start with. But there was a massive, massive event in the NHL a few nights ago, and we all agreed that it would be appropriate and worthy to kick off the show talking about Alex Ovechkin becoming just the third player in NHL history to score 800 goals Wayne Gretzky, obviously the greatest player of all time. He's number one with 894, and then Gordie Howe has 801. So it is very likely by the next time we record five on three, Alex Ovechkin will be in sole possession of second place all time in goals. And Sam, so fitting. He does it Tuesday night against Chicago, and he does it with a hat trick, goal number 800 being the hat trick goal. There's nothing more Ovi than that, and it's so good to see him get this record. I absolutely agree. Like you said, there is nothing more Ovi than that. I feel like it's just a performance. You know, every time I watch him, I feel like I'm watching, like, art in hockey in the way he skates and plays because he is just such an athlete but he's also so masterful with what he does that it was so fitting for it to be a hat trick I mean that's just legendary like there's literally no other way to put it besides it being legendary and I mean he's only 37 I say only like like he's a a spring chicken but I mean in comparison to Gordie Howe being 51 when he hit 800 goals that's pretty good and uh, he has a number of records now that he's run- entered the H800 club. Wow, words are so hard. Can you tell that I that I barely slept last night? Um, he has a number of records now. He has the most power play goals in NHL history with 292. The most ro- road goals in NHL history with 409. Um, the most all-time go-ahead goals with 270. The most overtime goals with 25. The most game opening goals with 136. 140 game tying goals. And then there's about six other accolades that are all like second most of all time or tied for most of all time. He is just genuinely one of the greatest players to ever do it and it is so fitting to finally see him joining the 800 club i mean when you when you take a look at the hockey reference page it's one of the more fun ones it's covered in bold which if you know what that means that means he's leading the league in a a ton of stuff (laughs) he's got just too many 50 goal seasons really i think that's part of the reason why he is where he is to 
to get to a number like 800 to be in the next to Gordy Howe and close to Wayne Gretzky, you really have to be so consistently good at goal scoring from the moment you come into the league and then through most of your career. And that's what he did. One of the best rookie seasons ever, 52 goals, 106 points. And he's just kept it going. I think he's tied for the most 40 goal seasons. So he'll be in sole possession of that. We think by the end of this year, but I mean, he's one of the greats. It's been a blast to watch him. It feels like, you know, we've been able to watch him for forever. The fact that he's still at this level is kind of ridiculous. Yeah. It's crazy. It's, funny that you mentioned he had 52 goals in his rookie year because the way he's going right now he's on pace for 53 this year (laughs) in his 18th NHL season so that goes to show you that he literally has not lost a step at all I mean the accolades as you mentioned Lou and Sam are are countless for this guy obviously the individual accolades but you know he's got the Stanley Cup three heart trophies an NHL record nine rocket Richards I mean He's got .6 goals per game in his career so far, which if that pace keeps up, he will reach the all-time NHL goals record of 894 in 158 games, which will be sometime in the middle of the 2024-25 season. And I think he's the greatest goal scorer of all time. I think he will undoubtedly break the record. I believe I know what you guys are going to say, but I do want to ask, do you think he'll reach this record as well? undoubtedly I think it's not if but when and I don't think he's going to slow down until he does it and I don't think he's going to stop once he hits it I think that he's going to want to surpass it by a lot similar to kind of we saw with the Ironman streak it was kind of just you know reaching it but then we saw that surpassed pretty shortly after I don't think that's going to be what it is here a it's going to take someone a long time to catch up to him but b I think that he's going to hit 895 and he's going to keep going in I don't know if this is even possible at all. I would love to see him hit like a thousand. I, I don't know if that is humanly possible for this man, but with, because he is getting a little older, but boy, oh boy, would I love to see someone do that. I loved Sam's line about it's not if, but when. Like, I think you're looking at him getting this record before he turns 40. The way he's been going, where you get him 70 to 80 games, he's kind of like a lock for 50. If he keeps up that pace, even if falls off a little bit you're talking about in two years he's probably right there breaking the record and it it is really cool because you're talking about the all-time goals record so that's the objective of hockey the fact that we're <laughs> right yeah, we're gonna watch make a good point there. <laughs> we're gonna watch that get broken I think as it, it's something where outside of football where you know the records are kind of getting broken every year with the way the offense is going like in most major sports you're not seeing huge records like this get broken all the time to watch the all-time goals record that's set by Gretzky, the fact that we could be able to watch that is pretty crazy. And you're talking about maybe not having this conversation for a while because the only other two active players that are even in the top 50, it's it's Crosby and Stamkos. Mm. Stamkos, he's 32, and he, he's in the 400s. I don't think he's going to get there. And Crosby neither because Crosby's not the pure goal scorer the way yeah. Ovi is. And then he maybe talking about like some of the young guys McDavid Matthews but you're so far away from those conversations that this is really like a once in a lifetime kind of thing that you're going to be able to witness yeah it's truly incredible and I do I do think Sam it, it's really not out of the realm of possibility you go, go ahead but I don't think it's out of the possibility he gets a thousand no either. not at all I was going to say did you guys see that Gretzky said he was going to follow Ovechkin around on the road and at home when he gets close to breaking that record 
Wasn't that what it was? Is that I didn't yeah. see that, but I, he, that would make sense. He Checked said, out. "Yeah, he said that he will follow him on the road and at home to every game when he gets within striking distance of the record, so he can be there to watch his own record be broken, which is they should pretty bring, freaking cool. They should bring Gretzky out on the ice when it happens, yeah. like in the middle cool. of the game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they'd like, stop the game. They'll well, stop yeah, the game and like ha- like have something. But, like especially if like we're seeing more and more legendary hockey players play." Like through their forties, like Yager played till forty five. Joe Thornton's still going. Like if Ovi really wants to go in and push it and play till like he's forty three, forty four, I think the way he's still playing right now and the way his game ages, where it's not predicated on necessary athleticism and it's more about positioning and his shots always been so good. His hockey IQ is, is great. You even see it in the game against the Blackhawks, like. He's putting himself in the right spots. His team knows when to get him the puck. Like, Mantha's passing up an open net shot to get Ovi the puck. So it's, uh, I think it's one of those things where uh, it's almost like the Brady conversation. Like, when are we going to see Ovi even start to fall off from just being one of the best players in the world? Yeah, absolutely. You know, if you if you go along the line of thinking that it'll take him around two, a little over two more full seasons to reach that, uh, that record of 894 then hypothetically you know maybe three seasons after that he could reach a thousand if he continues to play the way he's playing which I mean there are no signals that he's going to slow down at all like you say Lou the way this guy scores it's not predicated on you know insane exhibits of athleticism or he's not doing McDavid's out there he's He's standing at the left circle and blasting the puck 110 miles an hour past the goalie's ear or he's putting himself in the perfect position to score goals case in point all three goals he scored <laughs> yeah. for Chicago were just right place, right time. And someone who, you know, if you don't know Alex Ovechkin, you could say, oh, that's kind of just luck. You know, he's in the right place. But no, this guy has made a career doing this. He's there for a reason. He knows that's where the puck's going to end up. And it's uh, just really an incredible thing to watch him play and score goals. And as you and me, Lou, especially as fans of the Rangers, we've watched him put a lot of pucks <laughs> yeah. into the net over years past and all three of the local teams have had their fair share of struggles against Alex Ovechkin, and we'll, we'll talk about those three teams now, starting with the Rangers, who have seemed to turn things around. They're on a four-game winning streak. They only played twice in the past week since we've last recorded, but a 2-1 shootout victory over Colorado and then a 4-3 comeback overtime victory over the New Jersey Devils. And something that's really interesting to talk about with the Rangers, and now that they're starting to string some wins together, again, this was highlighted... Uh, by Brendan Azoff, I believe is how you pronounce it, in the Hockey Writers. Um, The analytic anomaly of the Rangers is back in that when they are losing games, their analytics are good, and now that they're starting to win games again, their analytics are going down. We saw this all of last year where, you know, people were, it seemed like discrediting and discounting the Rangers, saying, well, you know, this team's getting bailed out by their goalie. Look at their their five-on-five stat. It's, It's not that good. And they started the year with pretty good five-on-five stats, obviously not the results they're getting. And that kind of that that model has switched now completely. But Lou, I mean, if you're following this team, it has to be so it's so relieving to just see this team starting to finally string together wins and finally show fight in games. I was talking last week how they showed a lot of fight in that Vegas game, and they did the same in the New Jersey game as well. Yeah, I'm I'm at the point where it's I don't care what the analytics say. I'm <laughs> done trying to fight that fight. Of I was trying to fight it earlier this year where I was like the analytics are good. They're not winning all the games that I feel they should be winning, and now I'm just like whatever. Just give me just give me the wins. It's it just it felt different that ever since that St. Louis win. 
it's felt a little bit different. I don't think that they're playing great hockey as the analytics show. I thought the game against Vegas is pretty good. I like the way they battled against New Jersey. They're still struggling to put together full 60s, but I think that makes the wins even more impressive. Like to struggle against Colorado, to struggle that first period against New Jersey. I remember texting Sam a little bit and be like, that was that was brutal. That was an awful first period. The fact that they not only rebounded, made the game close, but then find a way to beat a really good New Jersey team. There was just there's a little bit more spark with this Rangers team. They're gonna need to keep it going because again, the schedule doesn't really get any easier. They got Toronto today, which is is a whole another conversation of they've been red hot, and it's always dangerous to talk about Toronto during the regular season because it, like it feels like it's the same story over and over again, but. Man, Toronto feels a little bit different. I think that will be a really big test for the Rangers this year. But I, the biggest thing is that the last four games, Shesterkin has felt closer to what we saw last year. I know this. we keep saying this team was kind of set up to be a little bit of a letdown, but to see Shesterkin get back to form is, is so relieving. I agree. I think he's kind of getting back to where he was last year, at least showing a glimmer of that. And so it's like not all hope is lost, Rangers fans. Like, hold on, hold on to your hats. There's still a lot left in the season here. And I mean, that Devils game being there, like you said, Lou, that first period was bad. First of all, the Devils scored twice in the first like five minutes of the game. And everyone in there was like, well, like the guy sitting next to me were like, well, this is fun. And I was like, oh, goody. And then, you know, you get the Chris Kreider score at the end of the first that just really put a lot of momentum into this team. And then, of course, the second period with them scoring twice in seven seconds and Igor stopping Jack Hughes' penalty shot. I think that was really the game-changing point of that match because had they gone up by three, obviously it's a lot harder to come back from a three-goal deficit than it is two. And, I mean, that is so not good for morale to have someone take their first ever career penalty shot against your Vesna winning candidate or Vesna winning goaltender rather and make it I mean that can't be good for morale couldn't be good for Igor either so to have him save Jack Hughes a shot albeit it was a little bit of a messy little situation but hey a save is a save I think really just charged this team and then obviously you see two goals in seven seconds so exciting they're they're coming back it's still not a great 60 minutes, but like you said, a win's a win. And at this point, I think the team can take all the morale boost they can get, and it's nice to see them finally win. Absolutely. I 100% agree that that Shesterkin penalty shot save on Jack Hughes was the game-changing, game-saving moment for the Rangers. If that puck goes in, it becomes 4-1 New Jersey. I believe it was around the halfway point of the yeah. second period. Um, And it really, I don't think the Rangers would have been able to come back from that, but they do get the two goals in seven seconds to tie it and then end up winning it on a Philip Heedle overtime goal. Definitely agree with both what both of you are saying in the sense that the 60-minute efforts still have not been quite there. I think that they were pretty thoroughly outplayed at the start of all three periods against New Jersey. Obviously, in the first period, you know, they gave up the two goals immediately. But even in the second and the third and the first half of overtime, you know, New Jersey had the puck for Practically the entire yeah. overtime session, the Rangers got it, and their first yeah. shot went in. You kind of felt like the Devils were winning that overtime until Philip pulled off that yeah, shot. Yeah, like, like exactly. Was, it kind of so, came out of nowhere. There's definitely it. Literally did come out of nowhere. <laughs> it probably wasn't the best goal for Vitek Vanacek to have given up. Um, so definitely a lot of work to be done for the Rangers, but they are winning games now. They do have Igor starting to look more to the level he was last year, and they're starting to 
feel more comfortable about a playoff position. You know, the Islanders are maybe starting to slow down a little bit. We'll talk about New Jersey right now. They are on a three-game losing streak, which is something that hasn't happened all year. Um, the 6-4 loss to the New York Islanders last week, which, you know, a game where they get off to a hot start, they get a power play goal, and then ultimately fall behind 6-2, to two, something that we've seen from Devils teams in years past and they haven't been able to come back from. And while this team showed some fight, they got a couple goals in the third period, ultimately a four-goal deficit, Lou, is too much to overcome. And, you know, it's a difficult stretch for the Devils, but... I personally wouldn't be worried. I'm interested to see what your thoughts are. Yeah, I was in, listen. The fact that this is their first three game losing streak of the year kind of tells you all you need to know about what the Devils are doing this year. I, you're there's no doubting their talent. You guys have touched on it almost every single week, right? This team is has taken the leap. They feel they feel legit. I don't think that the winning streak was fluky, and is even after the winning streak ended, they were still winning five games for every loss. I think that's. At a certain point, that becomes an impossible pace to keep up. You're going to take a step back every once in a while. But even, I mean, listen, you played three pretty good teams. I know the Islanders are a little down right now compared to where they've been. But, I mean, you played Islanders, Rangers, and then the Dallas Stars, who are uh, atop their conference as well. So three close games, I thought that they, they fought in each of them. We talked about, I'd say the Devils looked better than the Rangers in that, right? We just touched yeah. on that. I thought they looked better for most of that game. I thought the Devils actually pushed the net really well against Dallas. They got some good chances. I thought they kind of got out of luck with some some tough goaltending. The Islanders Devils game was probably the worst game of that for the Devils, but I mean they're still they're still in that game for a while. I don't I'm not looking too much into it. I think they're a good team. They're still playing pretty solid hockey and they're going to get a win sooner or later. I agree. I'm not concerned for them at all. I think that the biggest thing for them is now going to be not letting this three-game win streak impact their mentality that they've kind of established this year because you could feel in the room last year when they had been losing like six games in a row that it was just this doom and gloom cloud that had descended. It makes it hard to win when you don't have... It's a snowball effect. It is. It absolutely is. And like hockey's a game of momentum. We always say that. And so now I just am not hesitant, but like I, I am hopeful, I guess, that they don't get into that snowball mentality. I don't think they will because they're still fighting, still playing. Like you guys both said, they played better than the Rangers for a majority of that game. The third period was boring hockey, first of all, for both teams. So boring. But over time, I was so sure it was going to be Devils winning just because they were so dominant. And I mean, when you when you look at the stats, especially with that, I mean, the Rangers had 18 giveaways. So it's like that's not that's not exactly awesome in that game. The Devils, I'm not worried about. I mean, they're 29 games in and they're second in the league behind Boston. So I think they're still sitting pretty. Vitek Vanacek is still incredibly surprisingly good for me this year, and I'm happy to see it. And I just love how fast they are still. I love watching them. What a joy. I'm not worried. Also, shout out to Akira Schmidt, who I think has been totally, excellent totally. stepping up for yes. Blackwood. I, th- I thought even against against Dallas, I thought there were times where maybe he kind of didn't get help from his defense. I thought he made some really nice saves against Dallas, and Dallas was very ferocious, kind of unrelenting with their offensive attack. So I've been, again, this is a team that we always, we came into the year talking about they're a goalie away. Maybe you have two more than serviceable ones, and then talk about Blackwood a little bit later, too, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Schmid had that one incredible save on Kiviranta in that Dallas game. That, that'll probably go down as a top-ten save in the NHL this season. And he came in versus Islanders and 
did pretty well considering what was being asked of him a rare off night for Vanacek, and he came in and tried to hold the Devils in that game. Um, I think some pretty interesting comments by Thomas Tatar after the Dallas loss, which I think is extremely true, which is, you know, Tatar was like, listen, I don't think people expected a lot from us coming into the season. We go on that 13-game winning streak. Okay, we're a third through the season now. Teams know what to expect from us. Yeah. They know we're legit. People are going to come in, and you're going to get Devils are going to get other teams' best efforts every night, which hasn't been the case for, frankly, a decade. Teams have been, you know, kind of looking at New Jersey. Okay, you you do the whole New York trip, you know, you got the Rangers coming up. You got the Islanders who have been, you know, they made back-to-back conference finals in recent memory. And the Devils have kind of been, you know, that odd team out. You know, yeah, you can throw your backup goalie out there. Um, But that's not the case anymore at all. Teams are going to come into New Jersey and circle that game on the calendar and say, if we're on a road trip and we can get that game, that would be a huge morale boost for us and a huge win for us. So I think that is, you know, something that Devils will have to get used to, maybe not having faced that, you know, such a young team. Um, but it is true, and it's something they'll have to adjust to. But I think, you know, once they get over that hump, and we've talked about it throughout this entire season, they were never going to keep up this, you know, 13-game winning streak, winning nine out of every 10 games but I agree with both of you that you know not many concerns I mean off of that like they're a team you really have to prepare for with a a very concentrated plan against with their game style how fast they are like that's not a team that you can just beat with pure talent like you have to come in ready to handle their speed again when we came into this into this year, Sam talking about them as maybe making the playoffs as a wild card was something that we kind of turned heads about, like, wow, that's a hot take, Sam. And now they're one of the best teams in the NHL. So I mean, it just shows you how far they've come. But right now everything recalibrates and everyone comes in talking about, hey, Devils are one of the best teams in the league. we got to prepare for them. I just want to say real quick, because now we've seen two games, Rangers and Devils rivalries back. Oh, it's and so it's so good. fun. If we could get a playoff series between them. That would be electric. That would be so electric. I can imagine no greater joy than covering a Rangers-Devils playoff series at MSG. Like, Lou, I'm just, I'm imagining so many things now. That'd be so fun. Any, any inter, inter, you know, tri-state area situation would be really fun. But it is very plausible that we see that happen in terms of the way seating is kind of working out right now. And I love the rivalry. And also, I mean, it's I think that's also really fueling both teams because the rivalry is back because all three teams are good. It's fun to watch them push each other, you know, and it feels like there is this competitive energy in the New York tri-state area that is returning for the first time in a long time. That's driving them all to be better. So it's a lot of fun just as a New York hockey fan to watch. Absolutely. I believe it was sometime around maybe 06. 0504 era with the last time all three New York teams made the postseason and we're all three teams are currently in a playoff spot right now obviously Rangers and Islanders both in the wild card spot so their positioning is a little more precarious than New Jersey but if things are to hold like that I mean I would be pretty surprised if at least two of those three teams didn't match up in a playoff series which I mean take your choice uh, Rangers right. Islanders Rangers Devils or Devils Islanders playoff series would be Absolutely electric to watch. I'll as... take my choice. I'll take Rangers Devils right now. Thank you very much. <laughs> That's uh, I like Rangers Devils. Islanders, but I'll take Rangers, Rangers Devils. Devils. I mean, that game was one of the better games I've I've seen all year, it and just fun. back and forth, especially that stretch in the second period from between when the Devils took a three-one lead. There was the penalty shot, the Rangers quick 
goals. I mean, it, it truly it was incredible three stuff. minutes. It was literally three exact minutes from 11.05 in the second to 14.05 from when Jack Hughes brings them up to uh, 3-1 when he takes his penalty shot and then you get the first and second goals in seven seconds for the Rangers. Three minutes flat. So fun. So Incredible. Huge. Incredible. And, you know, we talked about the Devils falling to the Islanders, and the Islanders have had a little bit of a difficult stretch here. The only game they did win last week was, in fact, that New Jersey game, a 6-4 win, as we said, um, which was a really, very impressive showing for them on the road, a Friday night game. Their identity line coming through with two goals, and Casey Zegas getting his first goal of the season. He also scored uh, in their most recent game against Boston, so it's good to see for the Islanders they're starting to get some production goal-scoring-wise from that bottom line, and it's something they're going to need, Sam, because if you look at this team, Adam Pellick is out of the lineup right now with an injury. So are Anthony Beauvillier and Kyle Palmieri. We obviously talked so much you know, ad nauseum about how injuries and COVID killed this team last year, and we're really just hoping that the same thing isn't happening this year. And two straight losses have things not looking great, but oh, what are your thoughts? Do you think you know the Islanders can try and survive these injuries? And if they are able to, can you see them returning to the form that they had earlier in the year? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is another team where, at least at this point in the year, I'm not too concerned. I think if we get to, you know, a month from now and these injuries are still persisting, slash we're still kind of watching the, the trend that we're on with this team, that's when I'd be a little bit more concerned. But as of now, I'm like, you know what? We are a third through the season. There's still, or however far we are, a third there's still a lot of time left to play. I'm not too concerned. I think they can get back to where they were, especially now because they've tasted it this year. They know what it's like. They know what it takes to be that team. And I think one of the only things that is really holding them back right now are their injuries. So I think it's very possible they get back to where they are. I mean, you've got two players with 30 points right now, one of them with only three goals. So, I mean, that's which I know I talk about this every week, but, like, how does Matt Barzell only have three goals if he has 30 points? That's just a bananas little stat to me. So you have multiple players contributing in those in those high digits. I'm not concerned. I think that, you know, they'll get back to where they were. It's wholeheartedly possible, and I, I still think they'll make the postseason. For me, the Islanders are the three local teams. They're the biggest question mark for me still. Is that I don't really know where they're at yet. Like We've seen them play very good. We've seen them kind of go on bad stretches, and I'm not sure where they fall because I think – they're still in such a weird spot with their team, and I don't feel like I'm not sure where their offensive talent really lies. Like I know when the Rangers play good that they have gotten offense. I know that the Devils they've shown they have a great offensive attack. I'm not necessarily that sure about the Islanders' offensive attack. What I'm sure about is their goaltenders. I think they have yeah. a great goalie tandem. I think that that should motivate them to really look and I think go out and make some trades by the deadline. I know that. There are a lot of big names out there this year that keep getting talked about. And I think, like, more and more, like, it's tough with the cap space, but, like, getting a, a better goal score, I don't know if Patrick Kane's, like, realistic for them, but getting another goal score on this team I think would go a long way because, again, when you only have Barzal getting three goals, I know I listened last week, Nick Palmer was very happy in talking about <laughs> how that's part of their system. You need Barzal to be more involved in your offense. I know they're coming off. I think I think it was a good game against Boston to take them into Absolutely. a shootout at Boston doesn't lose at home. So to do that against Boston, I think that's really strong, but it's before that it was a 3-nothing loss to Carolina, which is not that Carolina isn't good. They're great. 
but they came out completely flat yeah. against Carolina. So it's as you're trying to get more consistent play out of the Islanders, I think they're a team that I, I'm with you. That like, I'm not super worried about them, but in terms of playoffs and, and seeing if they can't make a run, I'm not sure that as presently constituted, I'm that confident in them. Yeah, absolutely. I 100% agree. You know, if you get a point in Boston, the way that team's playing right now, that's an achievement in itself, and they showed great resiliency in that game. Following that up, they, you know, they lose the game 3 nothing to Carolina. They look terrible, and basically, just to be blunt. Um, and then they go down 2 nothing early against Boston. In Boston, that is a game where many a team could, you know, maybe just fold it in, and you wouldn't necessarily blame them or mm-hmm. you could understand why but the Islanders showed incredible resiliency to tie that game not once but twice and send it to the extra frame um Semyon Varlamov getting that game to overtime especially in the last few minutes of regulation just emphasizing what you were saying Lou about that goalie tandem and you know we always talk about Sorokin but it is important to note that Varlamov is one of the best backups in the league and when Sorokin does have down stretches or really not even stretches really down games because they are so few and far between that Varlamov can come in and give that team a boost. And still a difficult road trip coming up. They do play Arizona tomorrow, which hopefully would be a win. They did get shut out at home against Arizona Arizona's earlier in the year. Arizona's been tough, too. And Arizona like, just beat Boston Beyond in the fact that their fans are biting off fingers. Like, oh, my, just oh my gosh. gosh. Yeah. But just, just, so I, Arizona's been a tough out. Like, they lose games, but they play tough. Yes. I, actually, we do they need to touch games, on that. We do need to touch on that. There was a... Pretty wild scrap in <laughs> yeah. the stands of an Arizona-Boston game. I forget if that was last week or two weeks ago. but I think it was, last, it I think was, it was pretty week. recent. Yeah. And I, sent, came I out, sent Sam the post. Yeah, yeah, it was a wild thing to watch. There were bodies flying literally everywhere, police Finger officers diving over yeah, over so, sections. And it so came out there. recently the Coyotes, I believe, CEO was like, yeah, someone uh, got part of their finger bitten off. During that fight, did you, which see, is did you see the, the picture yet? Did you see I the did not see the, the picture. Do you want to? Um, I'll yeah, show you the picture. Yeah, it's not. It's not as bloody as you think it is. It's just I like, thought it was going to be worse. I thought it was going to be. At first, so much I thought worse. it was going to be more of the finger that got bitten off, and I thought <laughs> no, it was going to be worse. Me too. But you know, it's a pretty clean cut. I will say, the entire fingernail is there, and you're like, whoa. And I rewatched the video back after seeing. Like the picture of the guy who got his fingernail bitten off or got his finger bitten off. I wish everyone could see Tyler. Okay, I mean, wow. listen, it's that's for insane. sure some of that looks it's like some a of the finger. finger. No, that it's looks totally like a, it's some it's of a the finger fingers. for sure. But that's crazy. I they got some meat it. on that. I rewatched the, like a video of the fight back after seeing like who it was, like the outfit of the guy who got his finger bitten off, and I was like zooming in on the video to like find the could moment where it? it happened. It's a little I, hard to I see. I don't, I, I, you can see the guy. I don't know if you could. There's like a big right. He gets caught up in the big scrum, and you can't see. Okay. Okay. Is it? Can I'm you tell from the video? Did they they the didn't tape. get boned, did they? Like they, they only took the skin That'd off. That'd be crazy. Right? That yeah. looks like that looks like because it, it's pretty put together. The fingers put together. It's not just like flesh and a it nail. Like, this is a terrible image. Oh, I don't want to get too graphic. Like, but. Like a chicken. <laughs> I've heard. I feel like I remember <laughs> being told. Jack Warner is making <laughs> a face right now. I feel like I remember being told as a kid that this is so off the rails, but I feel like I remember being told that like your fingers are like carrots. The the, the only thing stopping you from being able to buy off your finger is your Your own, own is like your brain, which thank God. Imagine. Because. Imagine you go to a game. It's supposed to be really easy to buy off a finger. Do with that what you will. I know. I'm not saying go out and bite someone's finger. We are not endorsing that. Wasn't it like at 
like ASU too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So imagine you're just, just like some a college game. You're just it's just like a college stadium and someone's getting their finger bitten off. Like, look, I think it's crazy that they're playing in a college arena, but if wild things like this are gonna keep happening, this is that's bring it what on. you get. This that's is, what you get. This is I mean, that's what you get when you take it to to, you know, frat school yeah. USA, which you know, go devils, but but still crazy. So that was a wild DM I got from Orlando. That was Orlando. my favorite story. <laughs> yeah, that was crazy. That was so wild. Um, but we you're talking about, about the Islanders' schedule. You're talking about Arizona State. We're talking about the schedule. It should be a win for the de- for the Islanders, especially when you're considering they play Vegas, Colorado, and the Rangers the next Ooh, three. So that is hard. they do need. And the, to get if you done. even and then it's Florida Penguins, which I, like. There's a way to look at this because I think at the beginning of the season you'd probably highlight this as holy cow, this is a ridiculously tough stretch. Yeah. Between Colorado's injuries, Florida's kind of been meh. You could even say the Rangers have been meh. I know there's they've bias there and meh. they've turned it up, but like overall, for what you expect the Rangers to be, they've been a little bit of a disappointment. So I think like there's a way to look at it where you're catching these teams at an opportune moment, but again, none of them are easy outs. No. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, should be very interesting to follow. All three of these teams as they shoot into the holiday season. Real quick before we go, do have a little fun activity here. Shout out to our producer, Nicholas Nappy, for alerting our attention to this. There was a poll by, uh, I don't know if anyone follows, at JFreshHockey on Twitter. Amazing account if you do not. Very informative. But I'll do it right he now. Did a, he did a poll for all his Twitter followers about should the NHL change the name of its major awards. You know, obviously we have the Hart, the Calder, the Norris, the Vesna, the list goes on. And 68% of fans actually said that it's time for an update, which I thought was pretty interesting. I'm curious, are there any specific awards that you guys think should be changed in name or, or are you just, you know, traditionalist? Lou looks so, like I mean, we talked about this a little bit off air. I feel like a lot of them, it'd be tough to change because I think hockey's the coolest sport where it's, all, you talk about all their awards with their official name. Like every sport, I think has technical names yeah. that you that are that's what the awards are called. But like in the NBA, you just say MVP, blah blah blah, yeah. defensive player. Of the year. Like it's just you you say what the award is is. But in hockey, you you call it by the name. So if you're coming into the sport, like I still joke about, it, you have to look up the names of the awards. But like so, I think like Vesna is iconic. Yeah. There, uh, Con Smythe is is iconic. The heart, right? Like those are. The one I'll give you, I think, is I think you could change Art Ross to Gretzky. I think there should be we joke that there's no Gretzky award. Like that should be one. Outside of that, I don't know that I feel super strong about changing any of them. Yeah, I agree. I think I think Gretzky should have some trophy or accolade in his honor. Obviously, as the greatest player to ever do it. I think one that should not be changed is what is it? Sixty three percent of people in this poll said that the Selkie should become the Patrice Bergeron Trophy. I don't think yeah. you should. You should. Not rename a trophy after an active player. Absolutely. I think you've got to be out of the league for at least 15 years before you get a trophy. 10 years. Because here's the thing. is like Lou said, these trophies to me are about legacy. Like, that's why they are what they are. Like, we we have these trophies because of what they are. And we understand the name. And the, even though I, I still have to Google. I'm not going to lie to you. I still Google what they mean sometimes. But like you said, it's about the name. I think if you're going to name it after an active player, then I'm like, that. it isn't about legacy. It's about flashiness in the name and that's not what hockey is hockey is a game of legacy you know we still talk about the greats way back when we still we still talk about Wayne Gretzky every day so I think that renaming a majority of these trophies right now would be silly also only a thousand fans were polled so that's, yeah, that's only very small fraction yeah, I was like, that's like as a, as if we're talking about our our media literacy skills that we <laughs> learn here at Fordham University that's a bit of a skewed data yes. set probably more people being polled though than whatever poll the NHL did that said that fans 
uh, liked the virtual advertisements. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that was ridiculous. Um, but, yeah, I, I think the only one that I would change, and I was talking to Lou about this off air as well, is once he retires, because I agree what you say about the uh, the active player, Sam. It shouldn't be named after an active player. But once he retires, I think the Rocket Richard should become the Alex Ovechkin trophy. Sure. I'm down with that. Sure. I can get down with that. I think, you know, I mean, we talked earlier in the podcast, just the prolific goal scorer that he is. The, the fact that he's won the trophy a record nine times and who knows, he might get another one before he's all said and There's done. A chance. Um, I think that would be very honor. Very I could honor. be convinced to change the caller to Timo Salon because I don't think anyone's topping that that rookie. I think he had like 70 something goals. I feel like Collider is like iconic. Though, yeah, too, so no, that's know. that's one that like yeah. I would I wouldn't. But if if you did it, I wouldn't hate it. I'd hate it if you changed like Con Smythe or Hart. Yeah, that would yeah. be bad. Any of those. The Bobby Orr Trophy. No, I'll pass. Not as I'll catchy. Pass. But that's gonna do it for us today, and that's also gonna do it for me, guys. Ah. This is my last podcast here. I will be gone. I will be going. Thank you. Thank you. Applause all around. I'll be going to the great country of Italia. Oh my god. Italia. Next semester, so I will. Not be here, but I'll be here in spirit. I was talking to Greg Ware a few days ago. I will be following you guys very eagerly, and I'm not going to be watching hockey while I'm over there because <laughs> the Rangers <laughs> games listen, will be starting at like just listen to us 1 a.m., 2 a.m., so I'll just be listening to 5 on 3 and eagerly following, especially the beat reports of you two since oh, you are covering you. the New York Rangers, and you're just my two best friends. Oh, oh stop. <laughs> no, I, before we go, I do have to say I'm so sad Tyler's leaving because I won't see him before I graduate. And oh, yeah. Tyler, because oh, I'm gosh. a senior, and Tyler has become one of my absolute best friends at Fordham Rose Hill and at this station, and I'm really sad to be saying goodbye like this but we love you so much so thanks yes, for thanks out. for being a part it's of our an honor five on three shout out to you guys shout out to burl as well and mm. nicholas palmer even though shout well, i got Ni- to record shout out with nick him. palmer shout out nick palmer one. man shout out nick nappy back there nappy. shout out jack warner back jack there. warner back big there. jack <laughs> warner one of the biggest jack warner fans around i, I think that's true <laughs> once again that'll do it for us for samantha Bohr and lou orlando i'm tyler mooney saying so long have a great week and have a great weekend 